Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And today my guest is the new superintendent of Catholic schools in the Archdiocese of Denver, Ilias Moe, who is now currently at St. Rosalima as principal, if I correct, until the end of the school year. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's correct. Well, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it, and I think uh, it'll be inter- people will be anxious to hear some of your visions and challenges and things that lie ahead as you take over for as being superintendent with the schools, because it sounds like uh, it's a great opportunity. So before we get started, why don't you give us a little background on yourself, uh, where you came from, what you've been doing, and then what led you to pursue being superintendent of the Catholic Schools of Denver? Sure. Well, it's a great pleasure to be with you today, Deacon. I'm originally from Oxnard, California. Uh, ended up in Denver 11 years ago, actually as a teacher through the Alliance for Catholic Education program out of the University of Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, I'm a product of Catholic education, Catholic schools. You know, when my parents came to the United States from Mexico in the early 70s and they started our family, they knew right away that the greatest inheritance they would be able to give my four siblings and, and me would be a Catholic education. Uh, and they did so not as not because they believed that uh, it was my path to upward mobility. Um, I think sometimes we, we tend to see uh, Catholic education as the great equalizer, and in many ways it is, but um, they really saw my Catholic education as an opportunity for my siblings and, and for me to be liber- liberated, truly liberated, to be able to experience a formation that would allow us to be free to love God, to serve God, to serve the church. And um, my Catholic education really was fundamental and instrumental to the person that I am today and why I uh, am so passionate about Catholic education and why I'm honored to be able to serve as the superintendent of Catholic schools. So I came to Denver, the St. Rose of Lima in 2007. Uh, as a young teacher, not expecting or knowing what was going to uh, lie ahead. Uh, Probably better off that way sometimes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. no, most definitely. Um, but over the years, you know, as, it, as I grew as a teacher and then as a, a school leader, um, I've, I've come to realize what's needed in Catholic education, where our challenges are currently at, uh, and but also more importantly, I think what the Lord has in store for Catholic education, especially here in the Archdiocese of Denver. Well, you seem like a man of great faith, and so... How will your faith play a part in your new position? Most definitely, it's it's the base uh, through which I, I not only live my life and approach leadership, but you know, I, I truly believe that our Catholic schools are the answer and not not the problem. Uh, you know, in an age where we're we're seeing a lot of decline, we're seeing a lot of uh, obstacles that uh, face Catholic education currently. Uh, the obstacles that come in, in the form of declining enrollment and financial difficulties and the, the question of sustainability, uh, limited resources, aging buildings, you know, it, the, the list goes on. And it's really easy to get lost in, in those challenges and to see those challenges as uh, unsurmountable. But I think trusting the Lord and, and the Lord's command to us in Matthew twenty eight eighteen, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Right. I think that's at the core of what Catholic education is. 
Uh, and I think it's a matter of us really going back and taking a step back and asking the question, how are we going to advance this mission of evangelization? How are, how are we as Catholic schools going to be an, an extension of the church's evangelical mission? And I think if we can embrace that, that'll begin to give us shape and form for, for the future. Well, and just teaching the, you know, the truths of the church. I mean, if you send your kids to public school, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood has invested right. interest. Right. So whether it's them promoting so-called same-sex marriage right. or gender issues, right. I mean, to send your kids to a Catholic school, not only will they not encounter that, but my guess is they'll be able to counter that because of what they learned by going to school. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. The formation that uh, I believe our schools provide it is one where it, we stand. It stands almost in radical contrast to what you're seeing in the public school alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as was noted. So there was a 1977 document titled "The Catholic School by the Sacred Congregation of Catholic Education," and and they noted that the church's mission of education exists to ensure that her children, the church's children, will be capable of, re- of resisting the debilitating influence of relativism and of living up to the demands that's made on them by their baptism. And I think that our Catholic schools must continue to em- embrace that vision of what education is, uh, that we can be the beacon of truth for, for the world, that we can be the best for the world, not the best in the world by the world standards, but to be the best for the world, that um, we can unabashedly say that we stand deeply convicted that, that what the church offers is a vision of man that's, that, we don't, that we no longer see, that the world has lost, a man that has a, an ultimate aim, which is, which is heaven. And so I think if our schools can embrace that and continue to embrace that, then obviously, again, there will be other challenges that may come our way, but at the end of the day, I think that we will, um, we will be responding, to, again, to that call that Christ has given the church. Sure, and the evil one will love to throw challenges at oh, you. Sure. So actually, sure. when you have the challenges, it probably means you're on the right path, because if things go too smoothly, that's when you start getting nervous. That's right. So... It is important. And what about teaching kids to think critically? Because, you know, so many people get informed by what they hear on the news or what they see in entertainment. And so my guess is, based on what you're saying, that that critical think, they'll be able to think and not just because they hear it, take it as gospel, so-called gospel, but be able to understand that that's not right. Right. That's not true. Right. No, most definitely. You know, part of the enterprise of, of education is to to free uh, the children that we serve, the young men and women that we serve in our schools, to free their minds and their souls so that they can they can look critically at the world around them and and search for that truth, search for that beauty, search for that goodness. Really, education is about having an encounter with God through an encounter with what's true, what's good, and what's beautiful. Right. And I think that we can equip our young men and women uh, within a classroom setting uh, to allow them to be able to analyze these issues around, again, gender ideology and, uh, and what, what is marriage, what makes a man, what makes a woman, um, life issues. We can address those in a way that's, that's so direct, but at the same time that enables them to really come to terms and to discover the, the goodness and the beauty uh, and the truth that's, that's inherent in each of those things um, in a way that, again, other alternatives just cannot and, and will not broach. Right. So you're listening to Respect Life Radio. Our guest today is Elias Moe, new superintendent of the Catholic schools. And I'm wondering, can you give an example? I mean, you've been at St. Rosalima now for like 10 plus years. Right. um, Of where 
Catholic schools made a difference in one of your students' lives? That, you know, had they not been there, who knows how things might have turned out, and maybe even with the family as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, I have a... Have a Probably great, have a lot of them. <laughs> I do. I have a great story that I, I, I want to share with you. Um, so we'll call this young lady Maria, and this is by when I was still a classroom teacher. So I, I taught middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade religion, uh, theology, uh, which was a tremendous gift, and um, Theology Body has been a, a passion of mine, and uh, we dedicate every year a, a section in each of those grade levels to Theology of the Body, of course, also integrating those teachings throughout the course of the year. But uh, this one young lady, she was an eighth grader, and she actually came to St. Rose of Lima from the public school, had never been in Catholic school before. She arrived in late September, early October, so she was already a bit behind. So she's behind oh, in yeah, a couple quite ways, a bit. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, never had, had been in a Catholic school, first time in a Catholic school, and entering uh, brand new already with the year had having started. So she, um, I can say, she, it, she was a challenge. <laughs> and when it came down to, you know, talking about issues of life and um, the, the true purpose of marriage, uh, gender ideology, so, you know, when we were covering those topics, there's just a lot of pushback, a lot of pushback from her. And, you know, she challenged me in, in ways which, and most teachers, teachers will tell you this, that uh, you become a, a better teacher by, by engaging your students and, and the questions that your students bring I bet. up. So throughout the course of the year, you know, she... Uh, she was just really difficult, and in my, you know, in my young, just zealous evangelical zeal, I, uh, I, I, I kept thinking to myself, "This, I'm going to do it. I'm going to convert her. She is going to be one of the great success stories." Well, um, come April, uh, her mom pulled her out of the school, and we never heard from her again. And um, you know, uh, for the longest time, I always felt like that was that was my one of my greatest failures was that we weren't able to get through to this young lady, which we'll call her Maria. Um, well, uh, about uh, three years ago as a principal, just coming off of one of the, the craziest weeks as a principal, and the, uh, all those listeners who are principals will understand exactly what those weeks are like. Uh, she, I, well, we got a call at the office at, at St. Rose, and it was a young lady who uh, was getting into teaching, and she was uh, at one of the local universities and had called to ask if she could come by and observe in one of our classrooms. You know, student teachers tend to have to get observation hours yeah. and so forth, so... You know, uh, part and parcel of, of what happens over the course of the year, we said, sure, come on in. And uh, she observed and then stopped by the office after she had uh, finished her observation hours. And my administrative assistant, Esther, came um, to my office and said, hey, Mr. Mo, there's a, there's a young lady here I think you want to see. And I, I got up, and there, here's Maria. Wow. Um, all these years later, standing at the door, and uh, she comes in, she says, I, you know, um, I wanted to stop by and see you. I didn't know if you figured this was me that was coming to observe, but um, I know this is a bit awkward for you and for me. I just want to tell you that w the reason why I wanted to come back to St. Rose to observe was obviously uh, not just to get my hours in, but because I wanted to talk to you and just share what happened to me after I left, I left St. Rose of Lima. So then she proceeded to, to just share... Um, some really devastating things that had happened to her. And she said that uh, shortly after she was withdrawn from St. Rose, her mom um, uh, was, uh, was arrested. She, this young lady ended up um, being put in a foster home. She was separated from her brother and her sister. They, she said she never uh, saw her siblings again after that. She said she jumped from foster home to foster home. And, um, and through the, just the, the terrible experiences that she had there, 
um, she considered taking her life, and it culminated with her um, attempting to take her life. And she said that she ended up in a hospital for a number of weeks. And uh, and what she told me then was, you know, in, in my darkest moment when I felt like I had nothing left, I started to remember my time at St. Rose. I started to remember the conversations that we had. And the one thing that really stood out and, and struck me was um, that you kept saying, um, God loves you. God wants so much more from you. And, you know, back in those days, uh, I hated you. I, I absolutely detested you. <laughs> I especially hated when you would get on your soapbox and then you just, you know, <laughs> preach. And I just wanted to wipe that smirk off of your face. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm like, okay, should I be worried right now? Or, and then, you know, and then she said, but, but there was something in that moment. I just, I kept hearing God's voice telling me, go to mass, go to confession and, and she said, and I started, and I started to do that. And I started to remember that that time at St. Rose of Lima was, was the time that I felt the closest to, to God. Um, and, then she, and then what she said after that just, just floored me. Um, and she said, my life has changed so much. And that time at St. Rose of Lima just gave me so much hope in this darkest hour of my life um, that I, I decided to, to become a Catholic. Wow. And uh, in a couple months, I, uh, I'm going to be received in the church. And so, um, again, I think that's one of many stories that many Catholic educators can share with you of the transformative power of, of uh, an, ex- an educational experience where they're cha- these young men and women are challenged to, to love God, to seek truth. Right. Um, so you guys are basically you know, seed planters in the Holy Spirit. Right, germinated those seeds no, that you I, planted many moons ago, and that's somebody who was absolutely. only in the school for a few months. Correct, right? Not absolutely. even from like K through eighth or right. anything like that. No, so. absolutely. And and I'll tell you that that had nothing to do with me. And as, as I was sitting there listening to this, I said, you know, Lord, thank you, thank you so much for allowing me to be just a small instrument here, because that's the Lord's work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and sometimes it, <laughs> when we think it's ours. We can't do it. Right. Right? The That's Holy right. Spirit does all the work. That's right. Uh, you know, you had mentioned uh, challenges. So what are, what are some of the challenges you think you'll face or that you will face, especially, you know, as you jump into this full-time as the school year, new school year, this school year ends and you get ready to start the new school year? Sure. You know, in regards to our Catholic schools, uh, again, you know, I mentioned some of the challenges that we face are um, declining enrollment and uh, limited resources, the demands of of what uh, our families and our students uh, bring bring with them to the uh, their experience, uh, what they bring, the experience that they bring with them to um, to their time in our schools. And I think the fir- first and foremost, the, you know, the greatest challenge is just this growing secularism and, and relativism. Um, I mean, the world really is uh, consuming in many ways um, our families. And, uh, and we know, that, I mean, the evil one, I think Satan is, is actively trying to destroy the family. Yeah. And, I and think he's doing a good job, unfortunately. Yeah, well, and I think that's exa- it's, it's the greatest challenge that we're facing. It's one of the greatest difficulties that we're facing, whether that's, again, separated families due to a variety of different circumstances or reasons, um, divorce, uh, immigrant families whose parents are being separated. But at the same time, uh, one of the possibilities uh, and opportunities that we have there is precisely because of the, the current state of, of the family, 
Um, I think we have a tremendous opportunity to be able to evangelize families and to really allow our school communities to be epicenters of evangelization, if you will, of the family and provide mm -hmm. opportunities for families to, to be formed together, for parents to be formed, for uh, parents to assume that role as primary, principal and primary educators of their children, as the church teaches us. So um, the, the, the difficulties that we see in our church today with, with the family is, is, you know, we definitely feel that, feel that and see that in our Catholic schools. Well, and I know, uh, and we've been talking, you know, on and off for the last few months, you know, and Catholic Charities has been going out talking to a lot of the principals, and one of the common themes we hear is how do we engage the families that... You, you mentioned it, right? That's the baptismal promise is mom and dad are the primary teachers. Some people right. forget that's actually in the beginning of the baptismal rite. Right. <laughs> not it's not hidden somewhere at the end. Right. And so we've heard, you know, how do we do that? And I know uh, we've talked, you know, whether it's maybe getting families to come to the Celebrate Life March or do prayer in the square, do something where you're doing it as a family. It's not just not the kids doing it. Right. So do you have any plans or thoughts on how best to engage parents uh, to maybe catechize them or whatever? Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, in the coming months, we're going to be developing a task force of sorts uh, to bring in leaders in, in this realm um, through the various departments here at the Archdiocese of Denver to start having uh, more robust conversations around what would a dynamic uh, evangelization program at a Catholic school look like one that's in support of the the parishes ministries uh, again the overall church's mission to evangelize and you know I at St Rose we've had some experience and obviously I think it's St Rose is is one um, one local level reality compared to many but we um, we took it a, a couple a few years ago with the Archbishop's vision to restore the sacraments, the order of the sacraments as well, mm -hmm. you know, we said, I think, and, and we really heeded the Archbishop's call to uh, to develop and form the school of the family is what he calls it. And so we took it upon ourselves at that point and said, you know, this is this is the opportunity now that we have here to uh, to have a program, some kind of initiative that really reaches um, our family. So we developed what we call the Family Academy of Discipleship, and what this essentially looks like is we, we base it off of the, um, the primitive church, the, early, the vision of the early church that's given to us in the Acts of the Apostles, um, and has four components, four pillars. So families getting together to, uh, uh, to um, focus and center around teaching, the teaching of the apostles is what uh, the Acts says, right? Well, and, very appropriate, since we're in Easter, and we've right. been reading a lot about that, right? That's right. Um, to fellowship, to breaking of the bread, so the center on the Eucharist, that the Eucharist is at the center of what we're doing. Um, and then again, as well, opportunities for, for this fellowship, not just within the family, but also with other families um, who are, are seeking to, uh, to strengthen their, their family uh, in faith. And I'll tell you, uh, it's, it's borne some beautiful fruits, um, but uh, and, and it's a very intentional way to provide teaching, to provide these learning experiences in a bilingual fashion in our situation as well. Uh, for families where, uh, for the first time, parents were having these conversations with students or their children that they hadn't had before. Um, and, and just being able to provide the setting, the space, the time for that to happen um, has has yielded tremendous fruit. So, you know, um, I, I, I would hope that that, and I know there's other parishes, other parishes and other schools um, have a variety of different things. Um, uh, for example, Our Lady of Lords, I know, has a, um, some you books. You stole my thunder. I was going to bring that oh, up. Oh, were you going to bring yeah. that up? Yeah. But go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so Our Lady of Lords has, has come up with a, um, 
uh, an aspect of, of their parent commitment where they, they have to go to, um, uh, I know they've done book studies and they've done some other um, types of activities with families. So I think we gotta, we got to take some of the great practices that are already in place and, and figure out a, a strategic way to not just implement them in, in other schools, but to provide a, a strategic vision for how are we going to create an environment, one, that's inviting to families for, for something like this, but two, that, that also uh, unabashedly um, embraces this this zeal to evangelize and and to uh, provide the supports to to parents. Right. Again, we're listening to Respect Life Radio. I have Elias Mo, the new superintendent of Catholic schools. You mentioned Our Lady of Lords, um, and when we're faithful, it's amazing how those places grow. I mean, not yeah, only in our Catholic schools here, but you see colleges like a Benedictine or a University of Mary. That you know, who wants to go to North Dakota or? Atchison, Kansas, and you know, or Franciscan, but because they're faithful, people flock there. I mean, it's amazing how the fruits that grow and that are reaped because of being faithful. And I think that sounds like the path that you guys are on, and especially bringing in the parents. Um, it's going to be a situation where people want to go to the schools. They're going to be not only so fed up with what's going on in the secular world and the moral relativism out there, but it'll be a place where they can engage and do things as a family and, and learn. And uh, it sounds like you really got a, a nice menu of plans to really work to the whole family, because as you mentioned earlier, it is the family structure that's getting attacked. And if we can work on strengthening and making that kind of the foundation, good things will happen. Oh, most definitely. You know, I, I, I in this in this regard, I go back to um, another church document uh, written by the then National Conference of Bishops in 1972 to teach as Jesus did. And uh, in that document, they write one crucial measure of the success or failure of the educational ministry is how well it enables man to hear the message of hope contained in the gospel, to base their love and service of God upon this message. And at the core of that, right? How do how do men uh, and women come to hear the message of the gospel and and to develop this relationship with Christ? Well, it's it's through the family, right? right? Uh, first and foremost. And so, um, again, I think that if uh, the more as as Catholic schools, um, as an extension of the church's mission, embrace this this call to um, to strengthen the family and support the family. Uh, I think the more we're going to be able to create a community where, as you said, uh, families will want to be a part of, because we have some great, and you know, um, our families uh, invest and sacrifice many things to yeah. send their children to yeah. Catholic school, you know, and so they want, they're already there because they believe that their children are receiving something that they wouldn't be able to get elsewhere. And so I think there's also tremendous low-hanging fruit in, in our schools already with with faithful families that um, that are looking for opportunities as well to be able to evangelize to others. Right. So I mean, my guess is, so as you hire teachers and do those type of things, this is kind of going to be a screening mechanism to say, look, can you articulate these things? Can you be part of this mission that we're going to do? Because that's what, you know, that's really the direct contact parents have is with right. the teacher. Uh, is that part of, I mean, your big vision in terms of making sure that that faithfulness just comes from every teacher that those kids will have from K through eighth or just for a few months. Right. No, most definitely. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, 
ju- I'm starting. I'm just starting off, and so the the details of all this haven't been <laughs> yeah, hashed yeah, yeah, out yeah. yet. You know, uh, we'll get back to you next year, and it'll all be done. Right. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think that it's you hit on an extremely important point here, and that's um, there has to be a, a strategic plan for how we go about this. Right. I mean, it's it's easy for this to just be all talk and and to talk a good game about faithfulness and right. forming disciples. Proofs and in the pudding. Event. Right, that's exactly it. So in the coming months, like I said, I think um, one of the very exciting things for me uh, is being able to to sit down with some of the um, the experts in, that we currently have in this archdiocese. I had this archdiocese is blessed with right. uh, apostolates and, and um, uh, people in, in some of the uh, uh, departments of the Curia that um, you know, have have some knowledge here that can support our our schools in developing uh, a robust and and strategic plan to make this happen. But um, at the core of this is going to you know we're asking questions like, um, what who are what's the vision for our Catholic school teachers and and Catholic school leadership, right? And more so, what characteristics do we want to see in those men and women that are going to be serving in our schools? Um, what can we do from an archdiocesan? Uh, side to be able to support the ongoing formation of those men and women, especially that yeah. serve in as teachers That's and as leaders piece. in their school. Yeah. Absolutely, um, because you know it's uh, the fires can't be lit if if your fire isn't lit, right? Right. So we're wrapping it up. We got about a minute or so to go. If there's a parent or family out there listening, and they want to look into Catholic schools and find out what the Catholic schools have to offer, how, how should they do that? Right. Well, you know, I would say come and see. Come and see what the Lord has to offer uh, mm-hmm. to your family in our schools. Find the, the your local Catholic school. You can, uh, if you go to the uh, Archdiocese website and the Catholic school's office section, there's a school locator, and you can find the, the school, the Catholic school that's nearest to you, to your home, um, and, and give that principal a call and get in touch with them and ask them, um, hey, uh, Superintendent Mo uh, suggested I call you. What can you tell me about your school? And I think that you'll be able to get a lot of great information, uh, as well as we also uh, one of the other message uh, messages I I want to make sure to, um, that is is stated here is we don't want uh, financial situations and realities to be an obstacle to sending your children to Catholic right. schools and to have them receive a Catholic education. Um, this is part of the Archbishop's larger vision of ensuring that our schools are accessible. Uh, for all. And this year we're implementing in 13 schools uh, the variable tuition program, which I, I believe is a, uh, a great uh, opportunity for many families that perhaps have seen Catholic education as outside of the realm of possibilities. Right. Uh, the chance for you to come and to complete a really simple, short uh, application, safe and secure application online, uh, and then that application, um, that information will go through a formula, and you'll be able to get a right-sized tuition amount that's realistic based on your financial And they can find that on the webpage. They can find that on, on the website. Okay, yes. great. So we're going to wrap up. I just want to thank you again for coming out and talking to us and really letting people know how important Catholic schools are and that everyone should look into it. Uh, and don't let money be an obstacle. That's right. So thank you, uh, Elias Mo, the new superintendent of Catholic schools, and we appreciate you coming out. This is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities, the Archdiocese of Denver with Respect Life Radio.